Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Social Media Manager Confidential. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode. It is full of amazing things, and I just hope you're having a wonderful day. So I got to sit down and talk with Cassie Petrie. And if you're not familiar with her, she has been the woman behind some of the most iconic artists' social media marketing, including Backstreet Boys, Camilla Cabello, and Britney Spears. Cassie is the co-founder of CrowdSurf, a leading marketing and music management firm. She is an original fangirl whose tween admiration for the Backstreet Boys led her at age 12 to create a newsletter that reached fans worldwide. Then years later, she helped seal the band's decades-long superstardom by reintroducing them to the next generation fans. At age 17, as a college rep for Warner Music Group, Cassie was among the first in the music industry to recognize the vast marketing potential of mid-2000s platforms MySpace and Facebook. Her company, CrowdSurf, has worked with tech giants Apple and Google and labels such as Universal, Disney, Sony, Warner, and more. Cassie is a Forbes 30 Under 30 and Billboard 30 Under 30 recipient, and she is a leading social media and artist management Hollywood powerhouse. I know this is something that's going to be super interesting to a lot of you, so I made sure to ask her all of the important questions, like what does she actually do, what does the behind the scenes look like working with artists, how she got started, what she finds is currently working on social media, and how to land your dream celeb client. So I will go ahead and let you dive into this episode. Social media management is notorious for being high pressure, competitive, and changing literally every day, which is why it isn't surprising that most social media managers get burned out within the first two years. So how do you keep going? How do you stay up with the latest updates, protect your mental health, and build a successful social media management business that supports your lifestyle goals? Whether that's working from home with your kiddos or jet setting around the world, that's what this show is all about. Welcome to Social Media Manager Confidential. I'm Shantae Gorman, founder of a six-figure social media management agency and mentor to social media managers. And I'm here to dish on the ins and outs of the social media management world without any of the gatekeeping that can come along with it. You'll learn, you'll laugh, and you'll leave each episode inspired. Let's dive into today's episode. here and I'm back with Cassie and I'm so excited to talk to you. Hi Cassie, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so interested in what it is you do in your specific niche cuz it's not something that I'm personally familiar with and I think it's very unique. So anyway, let's just get into it. What is it that you do exactly and who do you do it for? So, I work primarily in music and just across entertainers in general and I help artists or groups or music-centric entities manage their social media presence. I have a company with about 50 employees, and we have over 100 different clients that we do that for in that space. A quick sample of some of the clients that we work with are Backstreet Boys, Camila Cabello, and then it goes all the way Frank Sinatra to Chief Keef, everything in between. So we're, we're pretty diverse in that regard. I love that. What kind of tasks do you do for them? Is it posting? Is it strategy? Content creation? What does that look like? So it's interesting because I've been doing social media music for basically 20 years at this point, and it's changed a lot. In the beginning, I would say it was kind of more similar to probably how a lot of 
brands run their social media now in terms of there's a social media manager, you handle all of the posting, calendaring, and that sort of thing. But I think a key difference in music in particular, and especially in this day and age, is that the artist is very involved because especially if it's a solo artist versus a group, because it's their name on it and the expectation is for them to be posting. So in most situations, the artist is posting. And I think our role has evolved from handling the mechanics of posting, at least on stuff TikTok and Instagram. I would say a lot of times social media management and music, you're going to be handling a lot of the properties they may not think about. Most artists at this point aren't thinking about uploading directly to YouTube Shorts. So we'll handle that. Or a lot of them don't think about Snapchat directly or Facebook directly or updating their website or email list. So we'll handle a lot of that manual technical work for them. But I would say a lot of our job is reminding them about marketing things and making sure they're posting about that. So you have a song coming out. When do you want to first tease that? How do you want to tease it? How often do you want to tease it? Do you have a pre-save link? Do you want to post something right when it comes out? What are you going to post? Do you need to make assets for Instagram story and Instagram feed? And do you need cut downs of a music video for TikTok or whatever? So I'd say we're handling a lot of the asset creation for marketing specific stuff and running the timelines on that. And then I would say we're also super involved on looking at data and kind of giving feedback on, hey, maybe you need to do a couple more personal posts this week because you're really promotional heavy right now, or hey, you're not posting about your tour enough, maybe we should add these posts in. So a lot more strategy. And a lot of times we're actually sending assets and ideas to artists directly, and then they decide if and when and what they post. The artist is almost a member of the social media team because they're so involved in those directly. Okay, that's really interesting. So I work with social media influencer creators. So it's kind of similar to that. And that They're like the front, they're the face, they create, and then we're kind of here to support them and everything else that they need. Totally. And I think support looks different to different artists and probably similar to creators. Some people need help editing assets and somebody or people are never going to want help editing assets. They want to do it all themselves. So I think everyone needs support, but I think people need support in different ways. And it's figuring out how to help these creative people organize and attend to this part of their career. Yeah, essential. And maybe they love it or maybe they don't love it. (laughs) Yeah, I know a lot of artists who absolutely love creating and being involved in their social media. But when they go on tour, they just don't have as much time and need more help in terms of organizing, maybe going to shows with them sometimes to do content capture so the process can be sped up. But it comes down to scheduling too and what their schedule looks like at that point in the year. So how did you get started in all this? So I always think my true initial start was when I was 11 and AOL came out and the internet became a thing that was in everyone's household. So I fell in love with the internet and the Backstreet Boys at approximately the same time in my life. And I started an AOL fanzine that I curated a couple times a week and I would send out and it had different word searches or crossword puzzles and like also report on news and you know other fun yeah little things like that and through that process I bought a book about html and learned it I really say that was kind of my start in digital which was because I was such a big music fan and I love the Backstreet Boys and I sort of took that experience of being a fan because I really liked it and applied it to other artists that I liked and just became 
a super fan online. And then that started flowing to offline too. I would do post flyers for local shows. I would sell merchandise at local shows. I would collect email list signups at multiple local shows all when I was in high school. And when I graduated high school, I moved to Nashville, came a Warner Music, Warner Music Group college rep and started studying music business in Nashville. And that's when MySpace came out. And I went to my boss. I see a lot of local artists using MySpace. Why don't big artists use it? And she's like, I don't know what that means, but pick an artist and go for it. So I did. (laughs) I made them number one. The MySpace had like a daily chart, kind of like how TikTok used to have a chart. So MySpace had charts. And I would often have the number one spot on that platform with the artist I was working on. And that led to Warner Music Group, I think, really taking notice of me and some of the strategies that I was putting together for artists. And I worked there for three years while I was in college. And at that time, I graduated college in 2007. And at that time, there wasn't social media manager jobs. Like that wasn't a job that existed in this world, really, at least not called that and widely known. And so I, my business partner was in a similar situation and we decided to both leave our jobs and start CrowdSurf. And that was in 2007. So over 16 years ago, and we've evolved a lot since then. Social media has changed a lot since then. (laughs) A lot of things have stayed the same too, in terms of, I think, psychology and how you approach it and that kind of thing. So I'm just happy we still exist because it's not easy out there sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the platforms are changing almost every day at this point. The fact that you've been able to keep up with it and add all these new platforms as the landscape of the industry has changed, that just shows that here for a challenge, you're ready to adapt, you're flexible. That's a huge part of what it is we do in social media marketing is having that piece and that element of being open and learning new things and meeting challenges. Yeah, I don't think social media management is the job for you if you dread every change that yeah. a social platform makes. I like it. I see opportunity in it. I see the opportunity to early adopt, shake things up, maybe give my clients a chance to do something special first because of that change. And I think when you see people rolling their eyes about a new platform that and more work they're going to have to do like this probably isn't the right job for you long term, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, and you're going to have days where it's frustrating. I get that. But overall, if it doesn't excite you, sometimes it's probably not the right role for you. Yes, I agree. You have to view it as an opportunity. How can we use this? How can we leverage this for our clients? And if it's, it's a struggle all the time, might not be the thing for you. Yeah. I mean, listen, I didn't want TikTok to get banned like for real, but I would almost kind of fantasize about it in my head sometimes because of (laughs) the chaos and opportunity I thought it would create in that moment. (laughs) Everyone's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's going to be fun. (laughs) I don't really want that to happen. But, you know, I saw the cons in that situation, but I did see a lot of pros too. So I don't know. (laughs) I had a fun time kind of theorizing about it in my head. It's always a roller coaster. Like you have to like be here for all of it. Yes. We're going to take a really quick break from today's episode so that I can tell you exactly how to stop wondering where your next social media management client is because you can just use my list of the 35 best places to get more social media management clients instead. Get the free guide delivered straight to your inbox by going to my website. I'll link it in the show notes for you. Now, back to today's episode. (music) 
So what do you find right now is currently working in your space? So I'm having a lot of artists have really good moments with Instagram reels right now. And that really translate to main follower growth. So really pushing that. It's all music centric content that's doing that, which I think I haven't really seen before. I've seen, you know, comedic comment or other types of comedic content or other types of content do that. But I haven't seen so much music centric content drive growth on artists before on Instagram reels. So I'm really excited about that and have several clients that are kind of riding a pretty good wave on that front and a TikTok too. But I would say Instagram reels is kind of the forefront of that specific type of content right now in terms of growth. Having a lot of success with Instagram broadcast tool as well. I really like that tool. At some point, it'll get saturated and I think consumers will get over following more broadcast channels. But for now, I think it's pretty cool tool and a good sort of thing that people can early adopt that tool becomes available to more people. Excited about that. I think we're going to see a lot of opportunities with TikTok shop. I think that's going to be a really big priority for them in the next 12 months. And any way to sort of be an early adopter to TikTok shop, I think you're going to have some special algorithm moments, perhaps. So and that's cool, because it's attached to money that you can make. So I think that's something I'm seeing some people have success with and excited to see how that evolves. And specifically in music, another thing I'm seeing some success with, because of TikTok shop, there's a special commercial music library for music that can be used in commercial brand TikToks. And that music library is currently not saturated because it's new. So I have some artists that do have music in that library and they're getting some organic music uses from just simply being in that library because there's just not that many options right now. So those are some special pockets and highlights I'm seeing right now that I'm currently trying to take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, so other than Reels, it's hop on all of the new features and use them for your clients, which is what we were talking about. There's benefits to them. Yes. The magic in social media comes most of the time from early adopting in some way, shape or form, where it's you want to be established using a platform or a tool before everyone else jumps on it. And that's where you hit the magic moment. Because what happens is when you sign up for a social media platform, the day that a person signs up for a social media platform is the day they follow the most people. And you want to already be established and being recommended when the majority of the general public is going through the day when they follow the most people, because that's where you're going to get your growth. And that applies to other tools to a certain extent. You know, when I remember when Instagram launched stories. I think people who use stories early kind of had some moments and gained some followers because people were looking for people who are funny and good at stories. I think right now people are probably looking for some more Instagram broadcast channels to sign up to once they have found a couple that they like. So I think there's a lot of magic in the early adoption. You're more likely to have a big win. Yeah, I love that. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. What are your tips, your suggestions for? landing that dream celeb client? So I think it's important for your dream client to not be the first thing you go after, unless obviously there's like a really easy end for whatever reason. But so the Backstreet Boys were my dream client and I work with them now. But when I was younger, they were my idols. So they definitely like fall under the dream client category. 
you don't want to cut your teeth on your dream client. You want to have experience. You want to have something to offer them. And I probably could have worked on the Backstreet Boys a little bit earlier, but I wanted to be ready for it, both from a professional standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint, because there's that saying, you know, you don't want to meet your heroes because sometimes they can let you down. And I've not with any of the artists that I've worked with, actually, but I've experienced the don't meet your heroes thing. Or for me, it's don't work with your heroes. There are a lot of people that I looked up to as like music business executives that I've worked with. Oh, they're not as brilliant as I thought they were. So I think being emotionally ready that that might, that is a risk when you're working with, whether it's a dream executive or a dream client, that is a possibility that it could make you sad. So if you're at that risk and are ready for it and think that you professionally have a lot to offer them, I think go for it, you know, in terms of getting in contact with them. Luckily with like Baxter Boys, I was kind of introduced to them, but I think I was introduced to them because I sort of made it known how much I like them. (laughs) So it was kind of unavoidable. So I think, you know, let it be known who your dream clients are. Like when you're telling people, you know, whether it's in your personal life or professionally or having business dinners or that sort of thing, let it be known because you never know who's going to be able to give that introduction to you. I think if I wasn't as vocal about how much I adored them, I probably, I'm sure I eventually would have met their team, but it probably would have taken longer. Yeah. So you're kind of just putting it out there. Yes. Putting it out there, making it known. And in general, like, I don't go like pitch certain people. I generally kind of like to wait for them to come to me. Now, that's not to say like, I don't go try to meet new people. But for example, I went to London and I was like, I've never really worked with Ed Sheeran directly. He's had a collaborations with a lot of my artists. I feel very adjacent to the his team, but I've never met them. I'm just going to reach out and say hi and go see if their team wants to hang out. And they said yes. I didn't come in there with like a deck to pitch them or sell them. I just simply wanted to connect with them. Will that lead to a project with him or one of their other artists in the future? Maybe, maybe not. But I more just, I genuinely just wanted to connect with them because I'd worked with them for so much. But so that's kind of how I network and meet new people. And sometimes that does bring in really cool projects, but I rarely am like, I want that project. I'm going to go pitch for it. It's a, I don't know, that doesn't work well for me for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that same thing of hard pitching someone. You know, I like them to come to me. And I think once you get established, that's much easier to do. But you have to get established first. There's little projects, there's little things you can do. And then you start to build your business, you start to make a name for yourself, you start networking and like establishing a network of people and relationships. And it's at that point where you become known for something and then people start recommending you. And it's not going to be like, this is your first client is going to be this dream celeb client. No. And I don't think it should be. I think that's probably setting you up for failure. Yeah. I worked on a lot of really horrible artists before I got the good ones. And I'm glad I learned a lot from working on the really horrible artists. (laughs) (laughs) And not not they're horrible as people, but It's just I was not passionate about the music. And I think I sort of told myself a lie and made rookie mistake. You know, my good marketing will mask that I don't think this music is good and that the music isn't good. It doesn't. If your product's not good, it doesn't matter how good you are at marketing. You can't mask a song not being great. And so I'm glad I learned that the hard way. But I learned a lot of important skills in the process and learned that lesson, which I think is invaluable. Yeah. 
I agree. And I think it's one of those things that you have to go through. Like you can hear about other people like, oh, I worked with this or I tried this and it didn't work. And it's interesting. But until you've experienced it personally, you just don't learn those same lessons. It's okay to work with clients that aren't in alignment with you or maybe don't have all of the boxes ticked or anything like that. It's, you know, it's just part of the process of growing and learning. Yeah. And I've learned too that some of my favorite projects have actually been stuff that I may not be personally a fan of, but you kind of fall in love with projects sometimes for other reasons, whether it's the person themselves or you admire the operation behind that project or you love the fan base. I think that as you get older and do this longer, you realize there's other things that can make a project good besides you appreciating the art. Yeah. There's a deeper meaning to it aside from just you and your feelings. Yes, for sure. And I've learned, I think, the most in recent years from projects that am genres that I didn't know a lot about. Because I feel like in terms of straight ahead pop, I know that inside and out really well. But there's some stuff in comedy I may not know as well. There's some stuff in K-pop I may not know as well. And working on that stuff has made me more educated and actually has brought given me great ideas to bring back to pop music culture, but kind of reapplying some things to make it make sense there. Yeah. I enjoy that. It can kind of challenge and expand your creativity. You learn new stuff and you bring it back and apply it to other stuff. So it's all a great opportunity. For sure. If there's anyone that's just getting started in their social media management world, is there any advice you would give them? So you have to figure out how you get your skills, whether it's working for somebody else or getting your own client base. If you're getting your own client base, I would say there's so many people in the world right now who need help with social media marketing. And kind of what I did with artists, I think people could do in social media, which is I found I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, not exactly a music industry mecca, but I found local artists that needed help, you know, with email lists and their peer volume pages and their websites. And I didn't necessarily have a hard background in it, but I had more time to dedicate to it than they did. And they were, you know, they're just grateful for free and or low cost help. So, you know, I built my resume and cut my teeth with local people who can't afford a bigger company or bigger resources, but know that they need the help. And you learn so much and it's not as high pressure. That's where you start building the little nuggets on your resume and your portfolios to build up and get the big stuff. But I always say start local. Who do you know or could go talk to in real life locally that could use your help and start building your resume and skill set that way? Yeah, I love that. I just kind of use what you already have access to. Totally. To help you build. Exactly. Well, this was really helpful. I am sure people are going to love this. It's a very unique topic. Where can everybody find you? So I'm most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. It's just my name, Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E, Petrie, P-E-T-R-E-Y. I'm on there daily. Sometimes I'm I'm in my DMs more than I'm posting publicly. So if you ever want to chat or have a question, I'm there. Awesome. And I'll link them in the show notes so they can just tap on over. Make sure you go say hi to her. Let her know you heard her from this episode. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, Cassie. It has been great chatting and getting to know you. Yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh oh my gosh. Okay. It was such an honor to interview her. She had so much experience 
definitely go DM her on Instagram. Let her know that you listened to this episode. And if you have any friends who are social media managers or marketers, share the link to this episode with them and help them out. And if you're not already following this podcast, make sure you hit the follow button or the plus button in Apple Podcasts so you can get brand new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every Friday. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Learn more about my digital template shop, online courses, and mentorship program by going to my website at sugarpunchmarketing.com. And while you're there, make sure you join my safe, supportive community created exclusively for social media managers. It's 100% free to join and packed with really amazing resources, trainings, and people. See you next time.